This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Raider Nation? Your buddy Murph back once again for part two of our Star Wars. Uh, it's a Star Wars celebration, of course, but it's um, it's a way for us to protest this stupid Super Bowl that's going on tomorrow. We decided that, uh, for those of you that missed part one, we decided that we didn't want to do a show where we were going to talk about the Super Bowl. We wanted to talk about something completely different and completely off the rails of what we would normally talk about around here in Murph's Fan Cave. And so we decided... We were going to talk about the wars, and I invited two of my very good friends, Kevin the Raider Nerd and Aaron the Q-Dog Raider, to talk a little wars with me here uh, in the fan cave, and we had such an absolute blast, good time talking about Star Wars. We ended up going almost three hours, and so instead of making it into one episode, I cut these things up into two episodes, so you've got part one already on the network if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, and, and if you haven't, go back and watch that one first uh, and, then, and then come back and watch this one. So we talked about so many, many cool things and fun things uh, in general about Star Wars. We really start to drill into it for you Raider fans out there, which almost all of you are, I would imagine, that watch this show other than the occasional Chiefs fan that pops into our chat. But um, we really dig in on the, the Raiders uh, connections to the Star Wars, uh, some commonality between George Lucas and Al Davis. We talk a lot about, um, we're, we're all over the place, talk about diversity in Star Wars. We talk about all kinds of different stuff. Uh, we get into some of our own um, relations back to the saga. Uh, Kevin's got some amazing stories about that. We talk about, of course, The Mandalorian. Like, it's just whatever. It's a Star Wars show. So enjoy that. Here we go. Part two of the Raiders Fan Radio Super Bowl Star Wars protest show. Thanks, guys. And speaking of work, what are your top three, uh, you know, Raiders moments or scenes or comments there, Murph? Top three moments in Star Wars? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, what scenes, uh, you know, burn to the back of your brain, bro. You know, there's, um, appreciate you asking, Aaron. Um, <laughs> we call that a segue. Um, oh, he's been he's been the king of the. He's been the king of the. Sandwich. I'm yeah. telling you, man, Aaron's a pro, man. He needs his own show. We need to get an Aaron to Q Dog Raider podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network, and then share it over Once to the I'll most retire, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Once I retire, maybe. Um, you know, any anything that has those, um, you know, th- those those moments. I, I mentioned it earlier. Like to me, like Star Wars is up is is about the moments. Um, that is that's one that. Um, when it draws that emotion out of you, you know, like, um, so anyways, I'll give you a, a, a few of them. I already mentioned the Luke Skywalker moment in Mandalorian, not to be a prisoner of the moment, but the impact that that had on me when we saw that and like the nostalgia of it and the, 
again, just snapped me back to being 10 years old. I, I got to put that on the list um, for a top three. Um, my favorite uh, or one of my favorite exchanges ever is Han and Leia um, before he's, uh, you know, going into um, to, to be frozen in carbonite. And, uh, you know, and it's an it's an impromptu line by uh, by Harrison Ford in the moment. Like the original line is Carrie Fisher saying, I love you to him. Yeah, and he says, yeah, I love you, yeah. too, which is a very Lucas thing to say. But he just freaking dropped that cold. I know. And like that, like epitomized who you know han solo was and so that to me is like that was even as a kid like that resonated with me i'm like i know like it just that 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 was so good um but then i think my probably my uh, just from a nostalgia perspective but like again when i when i when i say that when star wars presents you with a thing and you come away with that from that moment or that that thing with more questions than you had going in, it was the Vader Obi Wan fight in Episode Four. It was the, the their encounter, and I'll never forget. Like even as a little kid, seeing that saber swipe through, th- and Obi Wan's robe, and it just going to nothing, and, and Vader goes with his foot, and he kind of tamps down on it. It was like where did he go? Well, it was like, you know, and he, of course he delivers the line. If you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And it's like, Whoa, what happened there? Like, and so that like, that like epitomizes to me what good star Wars is like that rhythm of that, that you have this classic matchup between these two characters. It's visually striking. It's like you, you're seeing something you've never seen before. You're seeing a motion out of Skywalker. You're seeing all this other stuff going on. And then it comes all the way down to these two guys and they have this bit of dialogue and then something happens you don't expect. He doesn't strike him down. It is, it's not a, a violent you know, death. It's not any, and it's frankly not a death at all. It's a transition. You know, Murph, you know that, that's perfect. But let me go ahead and uh, just take it back, you know, maybe 30 minutes. Okay. Um, that's, you know, you see recurring uh themes in star wars brian johnson went for that moment that you so eloquently illustrated and how it impacted you whenever luke skywalker confronted kylo ren from afar and then kylo swings and there's nothing and he failed however lucas got it right in episode four whenever vader confronted his former master and he swung and struck him down and there was nothing there but the force ghosts that's what ticks me off about episode eight. But you're right. Now you gave us two solid ones. What's that third one, bro? Well, that third scene that resonated with you. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I'd say the, the, I, the, I love you, I know, and then the Mandalorian scene, and then, and then that one. Um, that, that's, that's probably the, the, the biggest. Um, I, you know, there, if I had to give you just another one to throw in, since I already talked about the Mandalorian one, um, Luke and Yoda training on Dagobah, like that, yeah. you know. Um, that there was a lot of of emotional resonance there and i'll just give you like uh, an example when you know luke says um i can't and 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 yoda tells him and that is why you fail and then lifts the freaking x-wing out of the water the that music that's playing is my all-time favorite alt out of any movie ever in the history of all movies that is my all-time favorite soundtrack music and when that that Yoda theme hits and that freaking X-Wing pulls up out of that swamp and drifts back over their heads. And Luke is like, 
oh crap, you know, size matters not all of a sudden. Like that, the, I'm getting chills, man. I'm 40 freaking yeah, seven yeah. years old and I'm getting <laughs> chills talking about that movie. That was just, you know, th- those, those exchanges that Yoda has with Luke during his training. And of course, and that's when he's leaving training. But like th- that part of it, Aaron, just absolutely resonates with me. How about you? Give me, give me your top three moments or scenes from the shows or the, or the movies. Well, I'm not trying to hijack anything. I'm going to defer to Kevin on this one because I know he's got some gold. Okay. All right. <laughs> so being uh what was the term you used being uh, uh captured in the moment or what uh, was it? prisoner of of uh yeah Pri- prisoner of recency you can call it yeah yes it's obvious you know the the luke skywalker reveal but to me when a scene is important to you it has to resonate for a while you have to rewatch it you have to come back to it you have to see other ones and that Luke Skywalker one obviously is a is a contender, and I, I you know I, it still gets to me. Also in the Mandalorian, seeing Boba Fett come back in action, one of the most oh, famous so characters of all time, going in like a you know what into that Sarlacc pit with the Wilhelm scream, never to be seen from again, being told that he was dead, coming back to life and opening up a can of whoop ass on some 501st Legion members with that gaffy stick was one of my, and just being shot in that Robert Rodriguez way was just beautiful. The other thing that too, that I want to give a shout out to is seeing uh, Ahsoka reveal herself as the fulcrum in um, star Wars rebels. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I got to share that lie with my daughter and the, the emotion that we were sharing. But the scene that is my favorite Star Wars moment of all time is in Return of the Jedi. It's when it's at the Ewok village. Leia see and in my favorite Leia costume with the long hair and the Ewok village made threads, whatever you want to call it, sees Luke leaving and she follows him. That whole scene of Leia being confronted by Luke about the true story of their lineage and seeing her reaction, the disgust on her face about learning about Vader. I absolutely love that scene because that's when Luke has to stand up and say, this is what our family is now. I have to go do this, but the scene doesn't end there because it's two defining. It's, it's three defining character moments with Luke and Leia. And then you see Luke take off Han comes in going, what was that all about? And she's distraught. She starts to cry. Han does the guy thing. Like, what, you could tell Luke? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Uh-huh. And this is the moment. It's not the moment when um, Leia gets shot at, at the bunker scene later on and uh, Han is telling her, you know, and she has the gun, you know, about ready to shoot the stormtroopers. And he goes, I love you. And she goes, I know. I know. That's... <laughs> That's not when he falls in love with her or starts to prove that he falls in love with her. It's when he finally starts to walk away and he goes, wait a minute, she's in trouble here. I got to be there for her. And he turns, goes over to her and she says, hold me. And he does. That's the moment when you know those two need to be together. And it still gets to me. I, 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 that's well it. done, I, Kevin. I, love I it, absolutely man. love that scene. It's I can deep. watch that over and over again because those those are those, that scene right there defines why those are the big three characters because 
they share a moment there together and you really don't get to see that again. I mean, yes, you see the celebration scene at the end, but this is when you really get to see them talking and, and you know, passing off this wonderful conversation. And it, it I'm choking up thinking and, and, you know, hair in my arms are standing up right now, even thinking about it. So, I know, that, man. That's the scene. Well done, Kevin. That's, that's deep, man. And that's the, you know, that's when the, the thing that, like all I just said, Star Wars is you know is, is is at its best when it's moments, but there's so much depth to Star Wars, and I think that's what gets lost at times. For when people just call this nerd stuff or whatever, is that you know this isn't sci-fi; it's space fantasy, and there's yeah. and there's depth to it that's not represented. In, and I'm not crapping on it, but things like Star Trek and other things, the the depth of the story, the the, the philosophy behind it, the, the you know what I mean, the conviction, the morality, the things that are in Star Wars don't really exist in a lot of other genres and verses. And I like a lot of things. I like Lord of the Rings and I like, you know, Harry Potter stuff. And I love Indiana Jones. I like, I I like a lot of different verses, Marvel and all that stuff, but nothing hits the depth of star Wars. Aaron, before we move on from it, before we get to quotes, you want to share any moments uh, from, from any of the movies? You know, I'm not going to be able to top that, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm big into star Wars theory, you know, the possibilities and so from uh, Attack of the Clones, um, you see young Anakin, uh, the Padawan. He's chasing after the, um, the assassin. And, you know, he jumps out of the speeder and just drops and drops and drops and drops and drops. And, you know, lands on the speeder that the getaway uh, for the assassin and everything like that. And then you fast forward to episode three, Mace Windu, whenever he's struck down uh, by the emperor, thanks to the help of Anakin. And then he's forced via force lightning out onto the mean, gritty skies of uh, Coruscant. What makes you think that Mace Windu is actually dead? If you've got a young Padawan that can navigate the free falling skies and then land exactly where he wants to be. Yet Mace Windu is far and away the, the second or third, depending on, you know, which uh, avenue of dogma you want to go down as far as canon is concerned. Out that window, missing his right hand. And you mean to tell me that killed him? No. Falling from that pane of glass from that lofty height in the emperor's uh, chambers is child's play. Mace Windu is alive, and I'm dying to find out Come on. where and when he resurfaces. Yes. There you go. That's what yeah, I'm Mace talking Liz, about. Baby. I love yeah. it, man. I love it, man. I'll raise this cup to you, Murph. Uh, hey, salute, because you know what? Hey, if they could bring Darth freaking Maul back, don't tell me they can't bring Mace Windu back. And, you know, look, and we just talked about it with uh, the, the latest ep- um, uh, the documentary of with Luke. Um, yeah. Yes, they brought Luke back and they and they de-aged him. They just did it in the 30 for 30, Al Davis versus the you NFL. You think Samuel Jackson's going to turn down a, uh, a a reprisal? Come on, he's going to do it. No, he's <laughs> lobbied for it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, my one of my favorite Sam Jackson stories, too, when it comes to uh, to Star Wars was when Luke, uh, not Luke, when Lucas asked him uh, if he wanted to be part of Star Wars and he said, and, and they, they gave him the opportunity to pick out his lightsaber and he was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it, but I want a purple lightsaber. I want something completely different and put <laughs> and put bad mother effer on it. Bros. You gotta have a purple one. Put bad mother effer on it, man. And they 
they did. That's my, that, and that's the kicker to the story is that he had bad mother effer written on his freaking lightsaber. And, and you, that's and you so funny. You could call the story Isla Mary on a starship. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> love it man uh, yeah I'm, I'm with you aaron i can't wait to see how they, they bring him back and you know he's coming back if they're bringing everybody else back they're gonna bring him back too all right so let's go to some quotes all right kevin all let's right. let's start with you what are some of your favorite star wars quotes <laughs> oh my gosh uh i think my there's there's two and they they involve han uh he's got most of the best lines yeah yeah uh the original star wars is i love the whole boring conversation thing you know and him just trying to to work that as best as he can you know uh negative negative we have a reactor leak here uh give us a few minutes to lock it down large leak very dangerous who is this what's your operating number uh boring conversation anyway luke we're gonna have company (laughs) so good man i love is from is the hallway or i think it was the i think it was the hallway scene in hoth or maybe it was the uh the scene when luke was uh in the back to tank and and she goes why you stuck up half-witted looking nerf herder and he decides to just focus in on scruffy looking looking (laughs) (laughs) yeah look it's still making me laugh today over 40 years later i love it it's great he's funny when he gets mad that's my favorite han solo's when ah, the hydro spanner like that's he's like basically saying i know i'm stuck up i know i'm half-witted yeah. i know i ner- i heard i you know heard nerf but come on scruffy looking <laughs> give me a break it's the best so good aaron what about you man what's some of your favorite lines oh man i got i got several of them uh you know me and my brother we go back and forth you know and uh we we were always like Darth Vader because, you know, we, we take it or leave it. I mean, you know, we always, you know, say that Darth Vader's a brother. So, you know, um, one of his uh, lines that we always like to say to each other is like uh, um, impressive, most impressive. Yes. Oh, yeah. From episode four, what is it, episode five. But, um, you know, you, you had mentioned earlier whenever uh, – Joe's size matters not whenever he raise, raises the X-Wing out of the bog. Um, but the line right after the line that you had mentioned is probably more poignant. It's, um, you know, I, I, I don't believe it. That is why you fail. That is, yes. Yep. yep. That That's something that resonates with me. I'll, I'm a big Yoda guy because of the way that he speaks and stuff like that. All Patrick Mahomes like. But he... Um, <laughs> You know, he, he hits you with those th- those bolos, man. He hits you in the gut and then to the head. You know, do or do not. There is no try. I say that to my employees all the time. Yep. I mean, try is what you do when you fail. Either you get the job done or you fail trying. Sound Period. advice. <laughs> still works <laughs> yeah it still works man you know i agree thank you for that capo because i think i blew that line earlier when i said i can't or whatever but you're right you're right that that yoda line is no 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 you nailed it you nailed your line there was just another line right after that both it's are gold so good man and and that yeah the do or do not there is no try that's probably like 
that's i mean that's the hall of fame of freaking you know dialogue when it comes to, and not same i tell my kids that all the time it's like it's such it's it's a really good mantra frankly to live by like you oh, know like yeah. there isn't you're either on the boat or you're off the boat like it's either one or the other you know what i mean you can't try to quit smoking you're either a smoker no. or you're not you're either pregnant you or you're not like there is no you know what i mean like it's one or the other man and so i i'm, I'm with you on that um all right, so it's it's, and I'm glad I asked you guys first because you guys hit on a lot of the ones um, that I was going to mention. Of course, you know, the love you, I know, and then the return serve from Princess Leia uh, in Jedi is is excellent. But you know, one of my favorite characters, and we're going to talk about favorite good guys here next. Um, so I'm going to reveal one of my three favorite good guys is Lando, and I mentioned that when I got older that I appreciated what Lando, like the spirit of Lando was different than when I was a kid. And when he first lays eyes on Princess Leia and he says, well, what do we have here? Like <laughs> that is like so money, man. I freaking love that. And like, you know, the the, the spirit of Lando Calrissian in, in Empire is just, it's it's unmatched. Donald Glover, excellent job of playing Lando. And I think he did it. He did a very good job yeah. of, of bringing that Billy D spirit, but like Billy D and Lando are kind of the same guy. And so, yeah, oh, you, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? And so that, that delivery of that line, there wasn't a lot of range in that performance. Not, really not. Right. Like, and, and that's not a bad thing because he's the coolest. Hey, Kevin, and Murph, Kevin and Murph. Now that you mentioned that, that scene that you just went, went uh, through reciting, I want you to go back and watch Empire, and I want you to look at Chewie. Chewie's character, whenever he lays that rap down, is it's gold. It's yeah. revealing. Oh uh, yeah. Chewie's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Bro, you gotta watch it again. Okay, Chewie is we'll gold do. on that episode. That's awesome, man. So how about how about you all? So that's 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 kind of uh my you know I, I mentioned lando um i'll give you two more and, and it i could get into these guys for a long long time my other two favorite characters are obi-wan and han solo um yeah. obi-wan to me the doctrine that he follows like the the whole like reveal of like old ben in in in, in episode four and that you talk about throwing down that philosophy like all those things that he he tells luke you know, you know, and he explains to him about this was your father's saber and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, all that stuff, all that exchange that, that they have, Alec Guinness's delivery, the return, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You first, you hear him as a voice and then, in, and then in empire, you see him as a, you know, as a, as a, a visage in the background in the snow of Hoth. And then by the time we get to, to return of the Jedi, he's actually sitting on a log. He's becoming yeah. more physical, more like, and just like, he just kind of represents that sage, that wisdom of the original trilogy is what obi-wan is and and like and then how often is that just such a pop culture term now like when you say like that's my obi-wan like that's my mentor like that's my you know what i mean and so that that really that character oh, yeah. it just really is, has resonated meant a lot to me han solo just hey, has Murph, yes please you, know, you just reminded me since you talked about uh obi-wan one of the best lines of all time and i don't know i mean it just made me laugh you know episode one phantom menace uh, Ewan McGregor went full Scottish when he said, Sith Lords, they are specialty. 
<laughs> I'm like this pompous bastard. He's never encountered a Sith, but they're his specialty. That, that's, ep- that's episode three. That's a, that, that's yeah. That's episode three. Did, did I mess that up? Yeah, yeah. It's episode three. I thought it was whenever he confronted. Uh, uh, no, nah, I thought it was well episode one. Whenever he, they, um, I guess no, they that, were that, um, in the hangar and they were getting ready to take care of uh, Maul while the rest of the uh, no, no, I guess no. Did I get it wrong? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Hey, but I gotta say uh, though, but but, but there's but see, but okay, but I will compliment this about you. And first off, we didn't even talk about the upcoming series, but the Obi Wan series is by far the one I'm most excited about in terms of the upcoming new Star Wars that's coming out on on the Disney Plus. But there's a moment in Duel of the Fates, which oh, and I got to drop something on else on you guys too after this. Okay. I'm going to try to keep in my own here. This is where this is what's so crazy about Star Wars. You can just go so many different directions. So during Duel of the Fates, Qui-Gon dies, right? Darth Maul kills him. Yeah. And one of the chillest freaking things, Obi- like Obi-Wan, like the ultimate freaking like, again, he's all about that doctrine. He's all about the Jedi. He's all about that. When he's waiting for that laser door to open, what's he doing? He's just kneeling. He's just He's just like, he's what, and he's like, there's this calmness about him. You look at the bad guy. What's Darth Maul doing? He's pacing back and forth. Like he's like yeah. Ray Park, man. He's ready to pounce like at any time. And Obi-Wan just brings it all the way down, man. Like that spirit, like of what that character is just, I think is, is, is just absolutely incredible. So I really dig it. Okay. I'm going to throw one other thing on you too, not to go all the way back and revert, but it's, it's something I learned not that long ago. The idea of the, title of the song duel of the fates that epic that we all know right from from episode one duel of the fates always meant to me like the fate of these guys that are fighting these two jedi and this one you know sith lord hand of the of the empire whatever right that's not what they're fighting over the duel of the fate is the fate of anakin skywalker because if if Qui-Gon doesn't die, he becomes the parental, the father figure for young Anakin Skywalker, who will then maybe never turn to the dark side because he never experiences that first sense of loss. The duel of the fate is the fate of Anakin, which was like somebody dropped that on me and it was like, I'm like, whoa, like that makes a lot of sense, right? Anyways, I kind of sidetracked there. Kevin, who's your favorite characters? Uh, I want to give a shout out to obviously Fett and Maul are my honorable mentions. I absolutely love Maul. That Duel of the Fates is one of the best lightsaber fights and just the reaction that Ray Park brings to his face. I absolutely love it. Fett, even before Mandalorian, still one of my favorites. I mean, how can you look so cool and become one of the most iconic characters, you know, in a short amount of time that you were? Uh, my top three, I'm going to go with, first of all, uh, at number three, I'm going to go with Ahsoka. She is one Whoa. of the most best written and developed characters throughout all of Star Wars and uh, brilliantly voiced by Ashley Eckstein. Uh, and then finally come to life, of course, by Rosario Dawson. But a lot of this goes to uh, um, uh, uh, Ashley because she just embodied this. She's this awesome. Character yeah, so well. yeah. It's wonderful. Number two is Luke. Luke, obviously, for obvious reasons. Uh, there was, you know, you're, you, a lot of people growing up when I was younger, you're like, either you were the Han guy or you're a Luke guy. I was a Luke guy. As much as I, Han had the best car, Luke was, was my hero because I was, felt like I was watching Star Wars through his eyes, you know. Number one by far, and 
Han Solo would not be where he is, is Chewbacca. Chewbacca is my favorite Star Wars character of all time. He has these little moments and, uh, you know, I, I, I love too what you got to see in solo because of this, you really got to see to sort of Chewbacca's backstory to a certain degree. And, uh, I just, I love, absolutely love his character and Han is who he is because Chewbacca allows him to be. Well done, Kevin. Dig it, man. That's cool, dude. I'd, and- that's, 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 that's adding a lot of depth to Chewie's character, who's effectively the dog riding shotgun, right? But you're right. Like, all those things are absolutely true, what you just said. A, a real quick, Aaron, the uh, speciality Sith Lord thing, that's when uh, they're trying to rescue, uh, uh, as, I guess, was it Palpatine, and he's still in the chair captive. And uh, that's when he oh, says, yeah. but he's a Sith Lord. And, of course, Count Dooku's right there. That's what that was. Ah, okay. Yeah. Aaron, how about you, man? Who are some of your favorites? Well, uh, I say uh, number three is Luke Skywalker. I mean, you know, the whole series is about Luke. Um, Anakin, I mean, you know, he's a great vehicle, but Luke is the fuel for this whole series. Um, Number two, I would have to go with the Emperor uh, Darth Sidious. Um, He is the quintessential antagonist um he is the puppeteer he is the phantom menace um and they even brought him back in episode nine so um you know you get a lot of mileage out of that character and then number one i go with yoda yoda the wise the grandmaster um you just got to go with him i mean you know it's not a bad three two one but it, I don't think I really stepped that far out in my three, two, one. I mean, you know, a lot of people probably echo the same. What about you, Murph? Yeah, well, you know, those the, we we kind of jumped around a little bit, but like my favorite, like the three good guys I mentioned were are, are Obi Wan, Han, and Lando. Oh, the bad guys, just to kind of give them honorable mentions. Like, like you can't freaking like Darth Vader, right? Like he's the bad guy of the bad guy. Like he's the right. ultimate freaking villain. Um, but I would uh, I would tag that with Kylo. And Darth Maul. I wish Darth Maul had more to do in the original uh, prequel trilogy. Um, Maul was brilliant in Clone Wars, voiced by uh, um, Sam Witwer, Witwer, and um, an incredible vocal talent. And and I thought they did a lot of good with Maul when they brought him back to life. And eventually he takes the throne of Mandalore and wields the dark saber. And like where that character ends up going, I think is kind of what we all wanted to see maybe on the silver screen instead. But uh, as you mentioned, Ray Park, you know, portraying him in, 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 you know, in, in, um, um, uh, in real life. Um, But yeah, but I, so that character I think is great, but I thought Adam driver was great as Kylo Ren. I really liked Kylo Ren. And despite the challenges of, of of last Jedi, um, he's so good in force awakens. And I love the, then, you know, like when he killed Han Solo, I'll never forget driving home in the car with my family, looking at them going, you know, star Wars is all about redemption. Like it's the, like the, the whole crux of this whole thing is all about redemption. I don't know how you redeem that guy. He just killed Han Solo. Like, how do you You bring that guy back? Like, you don't, you don't, but there's something about the way that, that, and I'll get, and and I, and I, and I crapped on the, on the sequel trilogy. Um, and I still have so many reservations about that, but there's something about the, 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 the comeback of Ben 
and I, I it could have been flushed out differently and i think it, that jedi if it would have served up served it up differently could have been explored but that idea that you redeemed this guy like you brought him back and he's a freaking you know like he, he is really he's the last skywalker you know what i mean like it's him yeah you know what i mean so i i i really like i thought that was a little bit poetic and i think that kylo you know while there's a blip on the radar has a very interesting story arc and frankly as a bad guy he looks badass like he's right up there with darth maul and darth vader like as far as like look like you know what i mean like he's a fantastic looking bad guy so how about you kevin you got any thoughts about the bad guys uh maul definitely darth vader is probably the he's always at the top of the list of the most iconic villains of all time. And he deservedly. So with the look and everything and the backstory, uh, definitely. I, I just, I think, but, uh, I, like I said, uh, Krennic is one of oh, my favorite, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of my favorite, uh, yeah. Imperial villains of all time. I just very well fleshed out character. And, uh, I'm a, a, a gosh, uh, I want to go with uh, I want to go with Grand Moff Tarkin. You know what seeing yes. him solid, you know, just how grandiose and pompous that he yes. was, and then you got to see that flushed out even more in Rogue One. How he's like, I don't care, I don't care what how much work you've done on this Krennic. This is now my project. I'm gonna blow you up with your own weapon. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> yeah. you know, Kevin, there's not a lot of uh, backstory that's given on screen. But if you actually go deeper, you know, EU on this. Tarkin, baby. Moff Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin. Because he was Moff Tarkin for a while. A lot of people don't know how he ascended to Grand Moff Tarkin because of the heinous acts that he was able to execute on behalf of the Empire. That dude was gangster. Will Huff Tarkin, yeah there's a great book there's a great book called tarkin if you're interested in that yes yes you're absolutely right yeah and i give away too much and well done too in the clone wars when he was admiral tarkin voiced by steven stanton i thought was fantastic right like yeah great great call out there great character hey um i know we're starting to run long guys are you good to hang in i can make this a yeah, two-parter no, keep going hey look, look rebel force radio goes two and a half hours we're fine this star wars let's do it keep okay going. aaron you're good you're good to hang in there it would be my honor. All right, right on. Okay, because this is fun, man. I'm, I'm having a blast. I don't know about you guys. But this Let the is attack run begin. All right, cool, man. All right, here we go. We're zooming into the trench. Here we go. This Let's... battle station is fully operational. <laughs> Surrender in our moment of triumph. Yes, this battle station is fully operational. Let's roll. Okay, so let's go to... Um, we have a feature on our show that... Jason and Jimmy, I'm sorry, I stole this from you. You have a segment on your show on Rebel Force Radio, RFR, that's coincidental, but you have a a segment on your show called Star Wars and Pop Culture. I stole that from you, and we do a segment called Raiders and Pop Culture, where we feature when the Raiders show up in commercials or movies or, you know, TV shows or songs or whatever else. So, to go to back and, and to give those guys credit because it's their idea, the Star Wars and pop culture, right? Star Wars was a nerd thing for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, for me at least, like it's really showed up in a, in a, in a movie that I'm a huge fan of, and that is Clerks. And I'm a huge fan of Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith movies like Kevin, if, Kevin the Raider nerd, if you ever want to start an askew universe, 
podcast on your show or on your network, pencil me in for like, I am a junkie when it comes to Kevin Smith movies. Okay. And in the movie clerks, they have an amazing series of references to Star Wars. And that movie came out in 94, I believe. The Death Star Contractors. Come Bingo. on. Bingo. Exactly. <laughs> that is one of the most amazing Star Wars no, references. He's supposed to be here today. He's off. <laughs> exactly. And, like, they tie it back to, like, guys that are, like, doing the roof of, like, a gangster. And, like, and like well, that gangster got his house got shot up. And so those contractors knew who they were when they accepted the job. And so those stormtroopers that got blown up during the Death Star, like, that was their own fault. Like, it's an absolutely incredible, like, thought-provoking, intelligent conversation that comes out of nowhere. This small independent film done in black and white in 19, I think it was either 93 or 94, whenever Clerks came out. But like that to me was my absolutely all time favorite Star Wars in pop culture reference. Aaron, how about you, man? What do you think? I, I have nothing to add. You're on the money. And uh, I concur completely. I mean, Clerks is very underrated and quite possibly might be an off season uh, special a la Star Wars. Oh, love it. Love it. Clerks. Rosario Dawson is probably displayed in both as well. Oh my gosh, she is a, that out there. She's incredible in Clerks too, man. Absolutely stunningly, incredible. stunningly gorgeous and an amazing actress and so fun like like she's so like charming. Exactly. And she's like, look, she's a legit actress and she's doing these yeah. movies that are loaded with dick and fart jokes. Like it's just amazing <laughs> that she like brings like that like class to a movie like that. She's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Kevin, what do you what's your what's your favorite uh uh Star Wars and pop culture? There's two. Uh you know, and I I go way back to when Donnie and Marie did a a Star Wars routine (laughs) and a dance and everything like that. Big Marie, a little Marie. (laughs) Uh regular Marie, I don't know. (laughs) Marie Light. So the one that I remember the most first was Mark Hamill R2D2 showing up on the Muppets. Oh yes. That good that call. was right after Empire Strikes Back. And that till today is one of the coolest things. And, and I love watching that. Now I don't know if you would call this or it would be considered Star Wars and pop culture, but the sure. greatest ode to Star Wars in my opinion is the movie Spaceballs by Mel Brooks. Oh, nice. I don't know if you could call that Star Wars. It's more parody. I understand that. But the love and the tribute that they show to Star Wars and Star Trek and other shows, but mostly Star Wars in that movie is, in my opinion, one of the best tributes to Star Wars you could do. So I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> <laughs> your father's brother's cousin's former roommate. <laughs> That's a great movie, man. You know, I love it when Mel yeah. Brooks goes through the teleporter thing and he comes out and his head's on backwards and he's looking down yeah. and he goes, my ass. Why didn't somebody tell me my ass was this big? <laughs> <laughs> Spaceballs the flamethrower. Kids <laughs> will love it. That's a, that's a great call out, Kevin. That movie, it, it is. It's an absolute yeah. love letter to Star Wars and it loaded with a bunch of great lines. Yeah, good, good stuff there. All right, um, all right, guys, let's go. Let's go to the next one. Aaron, let's go to you. Uh, if you could play any Star Wars background character, so if you could be the guy that's like this scene is going on and you're okay. in the background, who are you? What's what spot? All the all the series, all the movies, 
all, or all the saga, all the movies. What do you what do you pick? Um, I'm the hut guard next to the guard behind the guard <laughs> with a full frontal view of Princess Leia in that slave outfit <laughs> chained to Jabba the Hut. Full frontal view. <laughs> That's who I am. That's not a bad spot. Who else would I be? Murph. <laughs> who else would I be? I see him. And you see him too. <laughs> true, yeah. to, true to they form. True to form, Aaron. No doubt. That slave Leia costume is something else. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start like this for me, homie. <laughs> All right, Kevin, who do you got? Uh, one of the original uh, cantina aliens from the original Star Wars film. There's a character called Nabum Leeds. He's uh, up. He has four arms. There's an action figure that's actually made of him. Uh, and um, he's up at the bar, and he kind of has this white outfit on with this weird kind of mask on. Uh, just, I always thought he was so cool, and he was a, a popular character in our Star Wars card game as well. Uh, so Nabram leads. I look him up. He exists. There's an actual okay. Uh, ca- there's a three figure alien set that you can buy from the cantina. Uh, the kind of uh, devil looking guy, and another one, and one of them's Nabram leads, and he's in the middle, and he's he's part of that set. That's awesome, man. All right. So, I, you know, I would pick uh, one of the cantina scenes. I'd want to be somebody in the cantina. Um, you know, I'd want to be in either the one from episode four or even JJ's cantina. I want to be hanging out with Maz Kanata. You know what I mean? Like that, that would be pretty cool. Like probably, you know, what was the name of that planet that, that, that she was on? I, I was escaping me at the moment, but like it hasn't been around or long. It hasn't been around long enough in our lexicon for every Takadona. Is it? Sure. I think it is. It's Takadona. <laughs> and, and, and so I'd want to be, I'd want to be a patron at, at, at Maz's, uh, you know, because her place looks a little more hip and fun, right. not, not disparaging. Um, what's the, the band, uh, in the original cantina, um, Figuring Dan in the modal nodes. Thank you. There we go. Not to disparage <laughs> those guys, but give me the, the fact the, that he knew that is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. And give me uh Lynn Manuel who, uh, that did the, um, and this, the type of songs that they do is the jizz is it really of course oh my god i thought it was rick james but damn (laughs) so um but maz canada's play it's um darn it what's the name of that song but it was written by lynn manuel the guy that did hamilton um uh, you don't no no that's the muppets but whatever you guys know what i'm talking about you got me thinking of benny hill <laughs> I'll think of it in a second. That's the the heck of it of doing shows yeah, like this. You get on the it's spot. A, it's a it's an establishment Jabba, it's where you'll Jabba. probably live as you know, you won't get killed. In it. Yes, Jabba Flow is the name of the it, song. There it is, yeah, Jabba, Jabba Flow. Flow. I'd want to be somebody hanging out listening to Jabba Flow. Yeah, but okay. So that said, so here's some characters that we would want to be. But Kevin, you are an actual Star Wars character. I'm assuming this ties back to your time. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, doing uh, representing the star wars card game maybe yes. that's where that came from but tell us like you're like you are canon you're not legends like you're legit canon tell us about yes. that yes i actually have uh obscure star wars alien that has used my name as an anagram and that came about before i was hired for the card game company i was volunteering for them as a play tester 
and they were play testing the new Jabba's Palace playset. And the way things worked back in when it came to naming characters, a lot of main characters had names, so you couldn't change those because those were owned by Star Wars and Lucasfilm. But there was a lot of characters that didn't have name or designations. So they allowed Decipher, the company I worked for, to come up with a name, which did have to be approved by a Lucasfilm representative later on. And so they kind of had this way of coming up with names. And what they did as a secret for a while was that they took employees' names and people that were either helping with the game, volunteering, or what have you, and they would take their name and change it around in an anagram and make it a Star Warsy name. And because I play-tested on the Jabba's Palace set, there's a character in the Jabba's Palace scene that you see a couple of times. Uh, he's the character that loses his um, blaster when Luke uses the force to grab it to him to point it at Jabba. Oh, he's a Jabba's palace guard, but unfortunately he's also one of the first Jabba's palace guards to be thrown into the Sarlacc pit. And his name is Velkin Tazeri. There he is right there. Let me, uh, there it is. There Velkin it goes. Tazeri. If you take my yeah. last name and my first name, with the exception of one eye, that is my name as an official Star Wars character. That is incredible. So yeah. cool, man. <laughs> yes. That is so cool, Kevin. So uh, a, a little claim to a Star Wars world I get to be part of and uh, something I'm very proud of. So there you go. Absolutely. So, it's, so you were eaten by a rancor. Yes, I ended up in a rancor, and I'm probably still digesting there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Absolutely. Well done, man. Most that... Impressive. Most. Most impressive. impressive. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, here we go. Here's Jabba. Here's Jabba Flow. I found it. <laughs> Leave it to Murph to have Jabba gang sign. I love it. <laughs> can't hear it, Murph. Can't hear it. You can't hear it? <laughs> There you go. Epa tu tu mooney mooney. There we go. Mooney mooney. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This is so fun. You guys are the best. All right. So let's uh, let's move on to our next topic here. Um, we've got a few more to get to tonight. And uh, thank you for all of you that have been hanging in here. Uh, for those of you that are Raider fans that are waiting us for us to talk about the Raiders, I promise we're gonna. We're gonna we're gonna get to the Raiders yeah. Yeah. real quick. And um but first, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, so we've covered everything. We've covered the, all of the original movies. We, we've covered the, the sequel trilogy. We've covered the prequel trilogy. We've covered the TV shows. Covered so much tonight. And um, one of the things about George Lucas that I even registered with me from early on as a kid was that he was willing to kind of break stereotype he was willing to break through and to bring um different actors and different characters to life that maybe hadn't been reflected uh on the silver screen certainly not in the you know of course we said that uh, star wars is is science fantasy but any in the science fiction world like you didn't see a lot of that um that type of like diversity and inclusion going on until really it was really george lucas and there's a lot of things that are very similar about 
George Lucas to our own very Al Davis. Like a lot of the way that they came up through the ranks, the way that their their conviction to the things that they loved. In Al Davis's case, it was football. In George Lucas's case, it was, it, of course, it was filmmaking. Um, really came on with some early things in life that pro- that propelled them and enabled them to um, to take on th- their true vision. In Al Davis's case, it was coming up through the AFL as a coach uh, before he became then a commissioner before he was granted all of the control of the greatest NFL franchise that's ever been created. And that is the Raiders and and his vision for what the Raiders were and what they are now today was different from anything that ever existed prior. And you could say the same thing about George Lucas from THX 1138 and, and American graffiti and getting the, the juice to be able to, to present and pull off something like a star Wars that was completely separate and completely different from anything that had ever have happened. And then amongst that then continued then further to break barriers along the way. Now we've talked about George Lucas, like bringing on uh, you know, a, a princess. Okay. But a princess that he gave a blaster to and a princess that fought her way out and questioned her freaking rescuers along the way. He handed Lando a, a huge supporting role in the follow-up to this to that first movie, and then and then ultimately Lando, a black man, the only other man that blew up the Death Star. There's only two guys that have ever blown up Death Stars: Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian. Like the the, the amount of like a little a little help from Wedge. Just well, a little help from Wedge, but the <laughs> amount of reverence, though, yeah. not to mention giving James Earl Jones the voice of Darth Vader, and like yep. like there's so much that did. And then you look at what Al Davis did, and the way that he went to the historically black colleges, he went to you know he hired the first Latino coach, hired the first female executive. Like the barriers that Al Davis broke, and the barriers that that George Lucas broke, I think are very very similar. Sadly, also you could say that both of those guys kind of lost their way towards what at, at the end of at the ends of their career maybe they kind of lost their way from what their original spirit of what they were doing was that rebel spirit that you know what i mean there there might have been some some confusion around what their own source material was i think is a fair discussion to have but what i want to say what i want to highlight though is that star wars celebrated something and brought about something with us as kids i mean all three of us were kids when this stuff came out that didn't exist before. It certainly didn't exist in the forum that we were witnessing it happen. And I want to speak to that and I want to celebrate that. And, um, and so Aaron, talk about that. Like, what is that? What did, what did that mean to you as a kid? What did that feel like to you as a kid to see diversity on screen when it came to a galaxy far, far away? You know, that galaxy far, far away, a long time ago, you know, you see on screen um, different species and it just opened up infinite possibilities of what can come true. Ultimately, you've got good versus evil. You've got the light versus the dark. But across the gamut, you have all forms and fashions of creatures, great and small. And it's, it's one of the greatest epics ever told but you get to visualize it and it's a space opera. I mean, of course we've got the modern day edification of Hamilton, but before Hamilton, you had star Wars, you had the various scenes, you had the various acts, you had the protagonist antagonist, you had good versus evil. 
you had the underlying of uncertainty, you had the coming of age. Um, Star Wars in its original um, rollout encapsulated the human condition. Even though it was seen in inhuman form from time to time, um, you can look back at the great tragedies that were written out of, uh, you know, Greek culture, Egyptian culture. I mean, some truths are just self-evident and that's what, what um, Star Wars came to be. No matter who you were, no matter where you were from, you could see yourself in one of the characters or you can align something that you've gone through through what the story unfolded over the course of episodes and time. So, you know, not to get too overly deep with it, it was just a masterpiece. Fight on. Love it. Love it, Kevin. So, you know, as we speak of this recording last night, uh, we had Al Davis versus the, versus the NFL uh, documentary that hit on ESPN 30 for 30. What a lot of people may not realize is George Lucas was a maverick filmmaker, just as yes. Al Davis was a maverick. He went through a lot of different hardships and the way that he got like Star Wars funding or whatever funding was done in a maverick way. You know, Alan Ladd Jr. took a chance on him. But of course, before that, you know, he proved himself, of course, by American graffiti and Al Davis proved himself and whether his early coaching or what have you, you know, getting, getting help from the bills owner at the time. didn't he get like a loan from the bills to, to kind of help him, you know, you know, do what he needed to do for, for the Raiders and get that thing going. But back to, to, um, to George Lucas, you know how star Wars movies open up and there's no opening credits. That was yeah. a huge no, no in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. He got fined and he paid for that out of his own salary and his own uh, winning or his own earnings from Star Wars. And he continued to do it. And so this got him not blacklisted, but basically put in the corner when it came to the director's guild and the writing guild. And he was really sick of the Hollywood uh, Hollywood way of supposedly making films. He wanted to do it his way around the same time that Al was getting the problems and wanting to move from the Bay area down to LA. Guess who was moving up to the Bay area from LA because he could not stand the bureaucracy that was going on because he wanted to do it his way. And he did little things to also show his loyalty to the people that brought him, uh, the star Wars, uh, uh, world, you know, he went back and gave some bonuses to, to, to the actors and he, he gave some more money to, um, uh, to James Earl Jones, you know, because he went uncredited at first, you know? And so he was loyal to the people that helped him just like Al was loyal to the people yes. that supported him. So they are alike in so many ways that people don't understand. If you really look back at the early history of George Lucas and the crap that he went through, through Hollywood, trying to do it his way and not being told the way that they should do it. And look what he did for himself. And now he, that's why he moved up to Marin County. That's why he wanted to get out of LA because, you know, and, and he, he, he I, I don't think he became, uh, he went back to the director's guild because of that. You know, he got ostracized. That's a great call. You know, George Lucas was so anti-establishment. And, and that's exactly what Al Davis was, right? Like, I mean, we just saw yeah. it play out last night. Like, he was not, he didn't view himself nor consider himself 
part of that group. You know what I mean? And, and, and neither did George Lucas aside from, you know, his buddies like Spielberg and Coppola and like a handful of others, you know what I mean? But, and you could say the same for Al Davis. There was a handful of owners that, that he, you know, met minds with, but outside of that, he was anti kind of the whole thing. And the, and the, and the thing that's, again, it's, they're so uniquely tied that we heard it last night that like Al's vision is ultimately what played out. Like that establishment that was working against him was off. Al's vision was the one that actually happened. Same thing with George Lucas from not only from the filmmaking, but from the merchandising. Like you look at like the reason that he sold for uh, Lucasfilm for $4 billion to Disney wasn't because of his movies. It was because of the merchandising that, I mean, this, I don't even know what the he numbers was pressured. Were. He was pressured to sell. Like they were going to give him more money to do promote the film or whatever. If he were to give up his uh, merchandising rights. And he said, no. And that was helped him fund empire strikes back. And eventually he paid for a lot of that himself. He paid for the prequel trilogy out of his own pocket, pretty much. Which is, it's crazy. And that's a, a, a effectively a, what Al Davis has done, right? Or what Al Davis did through his, like everything was, it was self-sourced, man. It, which is, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, all right, before we move on from that to like some other Raider links in there, Aaron, you got any more final thoughts about George Lucas, Al Davis, kind of the whole correlation and commonality between them? You know, um, I said fight on because I wanted to uh, honor George Lucas from, being a graduate from the film school, the University of Southern California. And, you know, you look at the villainy throughout the Star Wars trilogy, and I can't help but think that OJ was a huge impetus for the villains in the Star Wars universe. Obviously, there's no direct correlation, but it's funny to think of. I've got nothing left. Except we haven't seen Darth OJ Vader. OJ did it. We haven't <laughs> Except we haven't seen Darth Vader hurtling people in airports. <laughs> but the heads have been lopped off in the series, though. So, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Draw your own conclusions. Uh, Talk about yourselves. He was, uh, he was, yeah, he was making, you know, rebel troopers hurtle through space. There, yeah, stuff. there you go. Yeah. Storm troopers have been known to be fitted in Bruno Mollies. That's all I can say. <laughs> have hey. you ever stopped to look at a stormtrooper's footwear? Oh, that's a deep cut. Oh, yes. Deep well, cut. Kevin has. Yeah, I have him, but Kevin oh, yeah. has, I know. Oh, yeah. Oh. Only Kevin would know. <laughs> hey, how about how about this? Uh, speaking of stormtroopers, here's a line that always bugs me in in the Rise of Skywalker, and it's I think it's Poe when the storm when the stormtroopers, which are I love stormtroopers, when all of a sudden they take off with their jetpacks, and he goes, "They fly now, they fly now." Have, did you guys not ever see the Clone Wars? These guys, these dudes have been flying for like yeah. twenty years. Anyways, so I digress. All right. No, no, you're the right. Story, <laughs> the story group did not see the Clone Wars. Apparently, Appa- apparently not. Apparently not. Um, all right. So let's 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 keep it about the Raiders. Let's keep on this theme. This is fun. Um, so the Raiders' uh, new stadium, of course, uh, Allegiant Stadium, is nicknamed the Death Star, and it earned its nickname early. Folks started just referring to it as the Death Star. And then it was finally confirmed by Mark Davis, the opening speech at Allegiant Stadium. The Raiders are populating the field. Of course, there's no one else in there, but the Raiders are out there practicing. And he says, welcome to the Death Star, where our opponent's dreams come to die. And like, and I watching this, 
like you got this dude standing up on this like you know pedestal podium thing whatever like you know way high up two three decks up high in the air and then his players are down on the field it reminded me so much so much of that like general huck scene from force awakens where he's like rallying the troops and the raiders are all down there and they're going yeah like there was so much symmetry around that i thought it was really great um but, you know, there are some fans that said, like, oh, the Death Star, you know, well, Death Star blew up. The Death Star blew up, man. That's, that's, not, that's not a good nickname. It should have been the Black Pearl, or it should have been this, or it should have been that. Yeah, name it after something that also is cursed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> something that's cursed. Or, like, the Buccaneers, like, they don't do the pirate thing. Or they literally have a pirate ship in their end zone. Like, I, I love the idea, and, and I'm assuming what your guys' answers are going to be, but Aaron, speak on that, the idea that now the Raiders' home stadium is called the Death Star. Look, the Death Star is a concept, and the greatness of the Raiders is in its future. You heard the patriarch say that before. You've heard the current owner reiterate. It's a concept. So I can conceptualize it. Don't, don't get too deep with it. It's the Death Star. Period. Period. Kevin, you in on it? Yeah, I, I Q said it the best. It's great. It's it's a concept. Don't read too deep into it. It sounds cool. Death Star's menacing. And uh, you know, it, it's uh it's just it's just freaking cool. <laughs> it's freaking cool. It's the ultimate base for the ultimate bad guys. Exactly. And that's what we are. Like yeah. that's it. Like yeah. it stops there. It doesn't matter what like happens after that. You know, my, not to mention the fact that yeah, they blew it up and guess what? They built another one. And, yeah. uh, and, and you guys are more well-versed in the EU than I am, but they built like seven of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't like they just built one, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I love it. I think it's perfect. Um, so That's it, no small moon. That's a battle station. Um, so uh, when John Gruden was posed uh, w- with the, uh, the, the, uh, the question about uh, – uh, the, the Star Wars question about it being called the Death Star and whatnot. Um, John said, I think it's a cool name for our stadium, but he also said, I don't give a damn about Star Wars. And you know what? That makes me happy. Like, we're fans. Like, it's not my job to, like, do anything other than my job, but, like, I'm, I have plenty of time in my spare time to watch the Raiders, to watch Star Wars movies, to enjoy all these other things. I'm glad John Gruden doesn't give a damn about Star I don't want him to give a damn yeah. about anything else but the Raiders. That's frankly. our job. That's our job, right? And so, yeah. I mean, any issues with what he said? No. Look, no. John Gruden doesn't give a damn about Dairy Queen. He doesn't give a damn about Starbucks. He doesn't give a damn about Chevrolet. He needs to give a damn about the Raiders. That's what I care about. He needs yeah. to give a damn about... You know what I'm saying? Fixing that defense. There I'll give a, give a damn about, about Star that. Wars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You leave that to us. You leave the emotion about things to us. Yeah, you, you just handle that. Um, all right, so some other cool Star Wars and Raiders co- connections. I'm going to let Kevin lead this segment because he's got the man's jersey hanging up there behind him for those of you that are on the YouTube feed. <laughs> Kevin, talk to us about the ultimate Raider connections here. The ultimate Raider connection can be traced through uh, the newest show, The Mandalorian. And that, of course, is Carl Weathers as Grief Karga. A little history about Grief. Uh, He's a human male, a former disgraced magistrate before becoming an agent of the Bounty Hunters Guild following the collapse of the Galactic Empire. Well, Carl Weathers, of course, most people will know him as in the Rocky films and probably, you know... uh, you know, what is it? Uh, predator, you know? Yeah, there you go. 
but he was also a Raider. He signed with the Raiders uh, as a free agent in 1970, <laughs> playing a linebacker. Uh, Weathers played seven games for the Raiders in 1970, helping them win an AFC uh, West division title on their way to their first ever AFC championship game. He played in one game in 1971, but the Raiders released him. Uh, and, uh, but in, you know, he, I think he went on and did some, uh, what was it? Some, oh yeah. He went to Canadian football as well, but while he was playing football, if you look on his card, as oh, Kevin's got one, having, there it is on the back. It says at the bottom serious about pursuing an acting career. Carl attended drama classes in San Francisco state during the off season. And we'll say, well, how did that pan out? Pretty fine. If you ask us, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, he played Apollo Creed, probably his most iconic one. He played action Jackson as well. Another good action hero movie there, but uh, now star Wars fans, he is grief Karga, one of the most beloved characters. And uh, I have his Jersey number 49 right behind over here, hanging awesome. one of these, one of these days. I hope to see him at a star Wars convention is get him to autograph it. That is money, Kevin. I love that, that, that Jersey. And, and, uh, he was great in predator. Like, you know, uh, Carl Weathers is fantastic. And uh, I love, uh, we've played this on Raiders Fan Radio. Um, There's a clip, if you watch the, I believe it's from the Star Wars Gallery, uh, or the whatever, Disney Gallery, Mandalorian, whatever that show title is on Disney+. Plus. It's the Mandalorian behind-the-scenes show. Thank you. There you go, yeah. Um, And so there's one of those episodes um, where your buddies, Kevin, the 501st, comes in. It's the scene where... um, Oh my gosh! What's um, Giancarlo Esposito? What's his character's name? Moff, uh, Moff, Gideon. Moff Gideon. Thank you. It's where Moff Gideon lands his Tie Fighter, and he's sieging the bar where the Mandalorian and yeah. Cara Dune and everybody's in there, and uh, and and so they're they're, they're coming in. That those uh, stormtroopers. This is so cool. They're all five hundred first guys. Yeah, and gals. And a lot of them were from L.A., but a lot of them came down from the Bay Area. Exactly. And so he's talking to this group of freaking stormtroopers, and he goes, where are you from? And they're all like, oh, we're from San Francisco. And he goes, cool, go Oakland. Like, <laughs> so money, man. Yeah. It's so yep. awesome. Like, yes. It's so yes. awesome. So Aaron, the Q-Dog Raider, you got any thoughts about uh, Carl Weathers? No, I mean – it's a great tie in and you know, he's another proud Raider. I mean, you know, he's not one of those uh, individuals that shies away from his Raider ties and his Raider lineage. So it's all good, bro. Yeah. He's, he's what do you think about that character of grief Karga? Uh, honestly, um, I, I thought it was a refreshing character. I mean, you didn't know what side of the fence he was going to fall on, whether he's yes. going to be a betrayer or was going to be, you know, a, a solid, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, hook up, you know, seeing as though, you know, he, he had the inside scoop and apparently attained quite a bit of rank in the, uh, uh, in, in, in the bounty hunters guild or whatever was going on. But I don't want to talk too far over my head. I just enjoyed his character. I like it too. And I, I like the, um, you know, Carl Weathers has a delivery that's a little bit over the top, you know, and, but I think <laughs> that works. 
like that, whether he's playing Chubbs and freaking Happy Gilmore, or it's, you know, in this case, in The Mandalorian, like it's that little extra, but that's what Star Wars is. Like, you know, George yeah. Lucas was so famous for saying, you know, faster and more intense. Like, do the same thing, but do it faster and more intense. It's that rapid dialogue. It's that blah, 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 blah. And it, it just, he hearkens back to like a different time, I think. And so I, I love his delivery. I, and the other thing I like about Carl Weathers, too, is that when um, the last live celebration that they had, when they announced the Mandalorian and he had taken the stage and was like, dude is excited to be part yeah. of a star Wars project. And like, I think there's something about us as fans that when we see other people that are actually a part of it, when they're equally excited about something like that resonates different with us more so than just they're an actor or an actress taking a job or whatever. You know what I mean? Like when you see somebody oh, like that, that's you like, mean. you know, or like, yeah, like I, I love that idea of like it's, when people it, like, it's like Carl Weathers is the black William Shatner. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well said. He loves being part yeah, of it, man. Over the top delivery, but you know what? A heart of gold. Ah, there you go. Absolutely. Well done. And he's right. not above a green chick on screen. <laughs> All right. So uh, so we went from so Raiders. Or and, orange chick. I mean, you know. Or orange. Whatever. He doesn't discriminate. Worldly. Yeah, he's worldly. <laughs> so, so we talked about the... <laughs> Raiders and Star Wars tie-ins, but now we've got kind of one of our own here. Okay, so we mentioned Kevin at the top of the show. The way that I that I introduced him was, you know, he's he's a hardcore Raider fan, he's a hardcore Star Wars fan, and he has blended those two things together and and, and turned himself into the original man, man, uh, Star Wars Mandalorian. Um, there are only a handful of folks that have done this, I think, well, at least well enough to hit that you know circuit of when you watch a raider game you'll see them on tv or like when you see people wanting to take pictures and i've seen this firsthand a few times when kevin's in the room or kevin's on the scene at a tailgate in his full mandalorian regalia everybody comes around to him and wants to take a damn picture um so to me as far as the like the star wars raider uh fan tie-ins it's kevin and then and then our buddy um charles ibarra who was darth raider i'll never yeah. forget 2011 i went to a, a a raider game it was the last home game al davis went to we beat the jets i went with my dad it was Sonny, my cousin Sonny, his dad it was a whole group of us and one of the first things I did was I looked down in front of us and about 10 rows in front of us was Charles dressed up in his Darth Raider gear. And I boogied down there and I wanted to get a picture with him. Like I wouldn't, I didn't care about anybody else. I wanted to get a picture with Darth Raider. Like that was such a big deal to me. Um, Kevin, talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about your experience because you've been doing this for a hot minute now. I've, I've sold that lead that you've, have, you did this before the Mandalorian was the Mandalorian to what, pop culture knows him to be nowadays talk about that what was the inception what was the idea what was your you know obviously we know your influence but what what drove you to that yeah it's uh, i remember seeing charles uh as darth raider at games and i remember i the first time i went to a raider game he had his own tailgate section and he had this big uh inflated darth vader thing and i i uh i i went there and i got a picture with him and and stuff but this was before i did the mandalorian thing i was kind of doing like an indiana jones raider thing instead um and i was decided you know i, I really liked seeing what these super fans were doing and i was inspired by what he was doing as a star wars fan because i remember seeing this this picture of this fan walking around uh 
Odako Stadium back in either the late 70s or the 80s, and he has a Darth Vader helmet on, and he's holding up a Raider shield that says defense. And to me, I don't know who that is. And that was before Charles's time, so I don't know if he knows who that was, but that was the first time I saw a Raider slash Star Wars mashup. And I'd love to know who that guy is. I have that picture of it on my phone because to me, that's where it started. And so 2013, I was like, you know what? I want to do, I want to do a Mandalorian thing, not necessarily Boba Fett. I want to do a Mandalorian style. And I, I was, you know, I've, I'm part of the actual 501st and I have friends in, uh, in the Mandalorian costume group as well. I love the Mandalorian look. So I bought some Mandalorian armor and I customize it. And the reaction that I get from fans outweighs what I got before, but you get parents like shoving their kids going, you know, you got to get a picture here when they kind of want to get the picture themselves. <laughs> and and yeah. I get, I'll be honest with you. That costume is very cumbersome to wear. It is not comfortable to wear. I wore that at the Tampa Raiders game when it was 105 degrees in the visitor section. But the response that you get from fans wanting a picture with you negates all of that uncomfortableness that you have because you see the genuine uh, fandom in their eyes and their excitement that you are combining probably their top two fandoms together because we've all grown up with Star Wars. And so that's what kind of inspired me. And I remember that date walking to heading to a tailgate there in uh, Tennessee and you and Sonny calling me over going, get over here. And that's how our wonderful relationship started. Absolutely, I man. Never, I will never forget that. And then of course, driving home after the game and you guys calling me out while you're driving past me, you know, <laughs> well, it was funny because we got to meet you and we talked to you. And we learned about the Phantom podcast network and we learned about your, your fandom. And like, you know, we had our, our Raider tailgate set up. And so of course everybody was flocking to you and, uh, to get to get pictures done, and so we're on our way home, and we live southeast, or where I live, uh, is is southeast of Nashville, and so do you. You were in Atlanta at the time, so we're traveling the same interstate yeah. on the way home. And Sonny goes, "Hey, look, that guy's got Boba Fett stickers on that car. Hey, look, that guy's got." We're like, "Oh crap, there's Raider stuff on there too. That's probably Kevin, <laughs> probably the guy we just met." And so we rolled up on him. We're you like, were literally podcasting in the car. Yes. <laughs> Cause you, I heard that recording later and you were like, there's Kevin. I remember that. It was so funny. Yeah. We were doing like an after show on the way home talking about the game. Cause it was such a great game. The Raiders, if I'm not mistaken, that was Seth Roberts catching a touchdown pass yeah. in the back of the end zone to win a game. Like that was like, it was such an, a freaking amazing day for us. It was the first big tailgate that we ever put on. Like, I mean, that was just such a great day. And then, yeah, we caught you on the way home, man. That was yeah, Char Charles Yabara's Darth Vader was one of the inspirations. And uh, I mean, there's so many great fan costumes and, you know, the Violator and Gorilla Rilla and everyone else. But uh, that one was Star Wars. And I, I love how he has the football pads with the spikes. And the spikes, get, man. Yeah, it's, he's just badass. Well, and, and what I liked about Charles, and, and, and I know you're, you're being humble by shifting the attention back to him. Because, I mean, again, Kevin, you're, 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 um, you're, you're, uh, costume is incredible and seeing you now doing it a few times and the attention that you get is, is top notch. Um, but Charles, the first guy, uh, that when, when I went down there and took that picture, he was the first guy I ever saw doing an Al Davis fist in a yeah. picture. And, yeah. it, and, and now granted that's a kind of a Darth Vader move too, yeah. Yeah. but like now, like when I take Raider pictures, 
It's all yep. about, like, and, and, and it came from him. It came the from fist. Charles. Horse crush. Right? Horse like, it's like, that's like, I mean, that symbol of power and Al Davis. And we just watched Al Davis in 30 for 30 with his fist was down low because he was getting ready to sock Pete with it. But like, yeah, man, that, that uh, great call out there with Charles. Um, Aaron, tell us a little, you know, have you had any experience with any super fans? Like, I'm, I'm sure you have because you've been to a million Raider oh, games, yeah, but like, yeah. yeah. Do you ever, you is know, there anyone that ever stood out to you that you're like, oh, I got to go get a picture with that guy? Or you shoved your kid yeah. out in front of you, like Kevin oh, says? Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, um, you know, Mabry, I mean, you know, Violator. There we go. Um, that, that was one, Captain Jack, uh, whenever we were out there, uh, me and Mojo um, at the Steelers game, uh, I think it was 2018. And, uh, you know, Gorilla Rilla, I mean, you know, you, you can't help but encounter him. I mean, you know, I mean, he's one of the two mega super fans. So, uh, yeah, th- those are the guys that I, I remember. But, you know, as RFR grows, we're the guys that, you know, are starting to get, you know, yeah. uh, those desired picks with and everything like that, man. So, you know, we owe it all to you, Murph. I mean, you know, uh, yep. um, it, it, we, humbly. But, you know, we're, we're those guys now. You have nurtured a, uh, a culture around your own podcast that has become family. And uh, we'll always be grateful for that and appreciate that. Oh, thank you, guys. Man, that's incredibly kind of you to say. And that's, that's I don't even know how to respond to that. Thank you very much, both of you, for saying that. Um, yeah, and it is. It's humbling when people want to take a picture with you because they're like, hey, it's Murph or look, it's Aaron or whatever. Like, that's that's it's a, it's a it's definitely a really uh cool thing to be to be a part of and and I agree with Aaron to me like you know as far as super fans go like it's not even one in one a it's one in one and that's and that's and it's Mark and it's Wayne it's Gorilla Rilla and it's Violator yeah. and and I'm so thankful that Violator got voted to go to the Super Bowl this year and I know that he's now in the finalist for the top three so mm-hmm. anybody that's listening to this podcast like today what is what are we at like February fifth or whatever like vote Wayne in man like he's got a shot to be named the 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 the, the best of the fans that's getting to I've a, been voting I've have been you voting. been voting okay yeah. Okay. Kevin, Kevin, do you kind of agree? Now you're like, you know, obviously that's not to disparage your cosplay adventure, but you know, it's Wayne and 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 Mark. Do you agree? Is it like oh, those yeah. two guys and everybody else kind of falls in from there? Yeah, yeah. I I would do want to give a shout out to my friend Ken Webb, who was uh, the Afro Raider, and uh, he was one of the most kind men to uh, bring me into the nation and and show me around all of the uh, tailgating and. Uh, Um, but yeah, you know, it's, you, you see violator and you see, of course, uh, you know, um, gorilla, gorilla and violators just, he's just the way that he looks and such a great genuine guy as well. Um, as well as, uh, gorilla, gorilla, Mark, Mark is great too. He and his wife, Marilyn are awesome. Uh, just wonderful people. And, and I just want to say this real quick that there was this big misnomer and misconception that these super fans were horrible people because the Raiders were scary and, and, you know, but these super fans are not, they're, they're the most wonderful people and they're, they're my family now. They're, 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 are my Raider family and they've treated me so well and they are so much fun to be with. And, you know, when my wife passed away back in, uh, 2013 Raider nation was behind me and these people stepped up and reached out to me and, uh, I'll never forget it. Appreciate you sharing that, Kevin. And it's, it's, that's what it's all about, man. We say this thing is La Familia and it's no joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? It it really is family. And so uh, appreciate you sharing that. Um, 
All right, we got a couple more segments here. Uh, gosh, guys, thank you for hanging in, man. This has been an absolute <laughs> blast. Two and a half hours later, and I can everyone's go- still up. Everyone's still up. They're listening. Okay, because yeah. I could go another hour. I know we won't. I'm gonna respect your time, but like <laughs> this is just too freaking fun. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the time. So we'll keep it Raiders and and, and Star Wars themed before we close out. Uh, there there was a time where Al Davis had the opportunity to meet the uh, the greatest villain in a galaxy far far away and there so there's al meeting uh darth vader okay and uh so al meets darth vader but there's a little bit of a backstory here to this much like john gruden said you know i don't give a damn about star wars well al davis really didn't give him much of a damn about star wars either did he kevin nope he did not he had no idea uh what i'm sure he maybe heard of it but he had no idea who was in it or what was going on but because star wars and star wars fans and raider fans were starting to adopt the raiders as uh this thing and you know when you see the raiders the villain villains of the nfl and the most iconic villain all time to be able to come together as one maybe didn't go quite as you would expect (laughs) but it was definitely a moment and i love that picture uh even if you don't know the backstory behind it it's still in such an iconic picture because you have the so-called maverick villain of the nfl with the ultimate villain in cinematic history shaking hands there at coliseum so one of our favorites that we refer to often in uh, on our show on Raiders Fan Radio, we talk a lot about Rich Eisen, does a great show, and features so many great Raiders on there. Howie Long, Charles Woodson, like some of the best. And, uh, and also, once in a while, he'll feature Amy Trask on there. And Amy Trask told the story, kind of gave us some background on this meeting between these two, as Kevin said, these two ultimate villains shaking hands one day. And uh, let's check in with Amy and Rich Eisen. I saw this tweet this morning, and it just gave me my first laugh of the day. We always need one of those. It's a photograph of Al Davis shaking hands with Darth Vader, and the story uh, that came with it uh, from the post of the person who posted it, I needed to hear in person. Longtime front office executive with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Now, chairman of Big Three with Cube, one of our favorite guests, Amy Trask, here on The Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Amy? I'm doing well. How are you, Rich? Oh, I love that 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 photograph and that post, please, the floor is yours. Well, thank you. And it was quite a moment. We had entered into a sponsorship agreement for that game. On, it was 2004. Wow. And we'd entered into it. It was a night game. And we had everyone there. Darth Vader was there. The stormtroopers were there. I mean, everybody was there as part of this sponsorship. So pregame, Al's on the field. He's watching warm-ups. And the executives that are part of this sponsorship deal are there. And there's Darth Vader. So I walked up to Al on the sideline. I was a few feet away from him, and I interrupted him. He's watching not only our team warm up, but he loved to watch the visiting team sure. warm up and um, do a little scouting. And I interrupted him, which, you know, as you know, he loved that. <laughs> and I said, I need you to say hi to Darth Vader. And he looks at me. I, I, mean, the, I, I just smile ear to ear when I remember the expression on his face. I said, no, look, it's part of a sponsorship. We've entered in the agreement. I really need you to do this. I need you to come say hi to Darth Vader. And I can't say on air, because I don't want to get you in trouble, his precise response. But it was, who the 
blank and blank rhymed with, let's say, truck, <laughs> is Darth Vader. And I sort of had to explain, oh, don't worry about it. Sponsorship, movie, R2-D2, what, what, just come say hello, come say hello. And he did it, and he was gracious, and that picture was just quite a moment. It sort of captures it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. So there's Al Davis meeting Darth Vader. The Who old- the F is Darth Vader? <laughs> <laughs> love it, man. Oh, I love it, man. That's yeah, exa- I'm, fi- I'm fine that he doesn't know who Darth Vader is. He's 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 football 24 seven. So absolutely, just like John Gruden. That's all we care about, man. Aaron's got that uh, that banner hanging up behind him that says three time Super Bowl champions. We want four, and you don't get yeah. to four by watching a bunch of Star Wars movies. We want you watching film, right? Um, all right, so there we go. So there's, there's a good story from from Amy Trask. All right, gentlemen. Let's close out this this freaking so much fun, man. I'm telling you, I could do this for a lot longer. But um, let's close it out. Let's wrap it up here. First off, let me thank you both for your time tonight. Let me thank you for your fandom. Uh, thank you for your Raider fandom. I thank you for your Star Wars fandom. I thank you for the contributions that you have given our network and, and Raiders Fan Radio over now many years. Um, the, the both of you guys, like it doesn't get more OG and made men than you two. And so the idea that we can get on here and to talk about uh, not just the Raiders, but talk about Star Wars, another thing that the three of us are incredibly huge fans of has just been an absolute blast, man. And uh, so thank you for your time tonight. I appreciate you. Um, and so let's get to this, this last couple questions here. First, so it's kind of a two-parter, right? So it's it's one and then and, and then the inverse of it. What Star Wars characters would make great Raiders and what Raiders would make good Star Wars characters? Kevin, let's start off with you. Well, first of all, I see Chewbacca as like the the uh, the water boy running back, you know? I mean, just give him the ball and let him run. Seriously. Uh, I, I could definitely see that. I, I can see uh, I could see Han Solo as uh, in the pocket quarterback, you know? I could kind of see that going on as well. Uh, and uh, let's see. I think I could see um, – oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I, I could see I could see Lando as a receiver as well. You know, just ta- just a great slot receiver, just taking it in there. But I could see him just always being there in front of the camera. You know, just talking his game. You know, talking with the reporter. You know, hey, what's going on? You know, that type of thing. <laughs> so that's that, 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 that's what Star Wars characters I think can make great Raiders. So I dig it, Aaron. What about you? Uh, I could see uh, Cleveland Farrell as an incinerated uh, <laughs> Rebel Alliance soldier, maybe one of the soldiers that went up against uh, Darth Vader on the transport ship whenever he went in there and he got busy with the lightsaber, cut down several times, minced. Um, I could see, um, oh, I don't know, uh, Poe Dameron is maybe uh, third and Poe. I mean, I, I can see him, you know, extending the chains, you know. Um, who else we got out there? Uh, uh, you got I, Star I Wars characters. See, uh, Jonathan Abram as a bounty hunter. Yes. Uh, very undisciplined. I like it. Uh, but dangerous. A headhunter. Yeah. A headhunter, so to say. I like it. That's a good one. That's a good and, one. And th- th- this little person right here is my six-year-old daughter. He's been chomping at the bit. Say hello, Raider Nation. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> this is Grayson. Candy for mommy. Yes, you can have all the candy you want. Grayson, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Does she? 
Is she gone already? She doesn't have a favorite Star Wars character, but she uh, thinks Cleveland Farrell sucks. <laughs> I wish I had my iPad handy with the soundboard so I could play your F to the E to the R to the R to the E to the L to the L. It ain't I've Farrell. Got, I've got some nomination. Farrell. I've got some nominations for Raiders that would make great Star Wars players. Okay, I mean, go Star for Wars it. Characters. Go for it, Kevin. While I grab the iPad. Okay, Al Zato as an ancient Sith master. You know? Oh. I yeah. could see him just, uh, you know, laying laying it down and not taking any crap from anyone and and, and showing the right way. So, uh, I can see Cliff Branch as an experienced, seasoned rebel pilot. Think about Cliff Branch, you know, going in there, oh, like it, you know, blow, blowing up the fourth Death Star, maybe, or or uh, teaching the young uh, pilots the way. Uh, maybe he taught Poe Dameron. Let's put it that way. Okay, there we go. Uh, I can see Madden as the hardened rebel leader, you know, the one that's just seen it all, you know, and he's the master strategist, you know, and he, he's the one that actually met the Bothans before they died. You know, he's the one that, that, that uh, maybe taught the Bothans to die for their cause. You know, I can see that. There you go. But I can, my last but not least, one of my, my favorite defensive player of all time is Phil Villapiano. I can see him as kind of like that rogue Qui-Gon Jinn Jedi. Yeah. You know, him, him, saying, yeah. him saying, you know, you know, the force is with you. The force surrounds you. And we hate the Chiefs. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, that's awesome, man. I love it. So, uh, here, so here's the aforementioned soundbite. F to the E to the R to the R to the E to the L to the L. It ain't Furl. It's <laughs> one of our favorites, man. We play that on the show all the time. Uh, so, all right, so I would, I'll give you this, and I'm, I'm, Aaron, I'm surprised you didn't land on this. I know you're a big Yoda guy. Like yeah. Yoda, that's the philosopher, right? Like that's your general manager. That's the guy that assembles the talent. That's the guy that yeah. assembles the Jedi Council, man. Like there's your general manager, and Obi Wan is your coach. Like that's that's the guy you want calling the X's and O's, man. He's the he's the general on the field, and so I, I like I like Yoda um, as a general manager, and, and Obi Wan as a coach. As a quarterback, it's Luke Skywalker, guys. Like, that's your starting quarterback, man. You got the freaking, you know what I mean? The freaking the chosen one? That's your quarterback, man. And so, um, that's Snake Stabler. There you one go. thing, he's not fumbling the ball out of the end zone. <laughs> oh. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, no he's no, no forced back through the end zone. He's forcing that Get thing back Cowboys. to him. He's forcing that thing back to him, man. No, as soon as he starts <laughs> to lose it, it's right coming right back, man. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, but and and he, the, I could see him as a mobile quarterback too, definitely. So well, heck yeah, man. You see the way that guy jumps around? Absolutely, he could be a mobile quarterback. All right, the last one I'm gonna give you the guy that that there's a raider that could be in Star Wars, slam dunk is is freaking uh, Matuzak. Oh, gosh, yeah. Like, yeah. Matuzak could be in any cantina scene from the, the sequel trilogy to the OT. Like, he could be in the even in the freaking prequel trilogy when they walk in. sloth. Come on. You exactly. Know, like, what is, yeah. like, when they're walking into the, um, when Obi-Wan and Anakin are walking in and Attack of the Clones, and he goes, where are we going, Master? Well, for a drink, of course. Yes. You could totally see Matuzak being like one of the heavies in the room right there, man. So I, I think Matuzak is, he's timeless when it comes to that stuff. And so, I could see him as one of the, uh, also the guys that are part of the Rogue Squadron in Rogue One. One of those like like dirty rebel guys, you know, especially when you see yes. him in the movie Ice, Ice Pirates. He's got that kind of pirate thing going on. I could see him one of those guys, like one of the demolition guys, you know, gives himself up here. He blows something up and he dies, you know, heroically. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure he was the Rancor handler. 
Like yeah. that's <laughs> kind of John Matuzak. Like that. Alakili, yep. yep. I got one for you. <laughs> All right. Well, I got Eric Harris, our uh, our woeful free safety as uh Dak in the Hoth Assault. I could take on the Empire all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> you, there's one of your quotes right there. Famous last words, bruh. <laughs> oh, that's Eric amazing. Harris is only good against San Diego. Every that's other amazing. Year. Or you could eat, or unless uh, not not trying to build too much or steal any thunder there, but you know what? He could also be Biggs. Because how many times do we see our <laughs> cornerbacks turning around going, Blasted Harris, where are you? <laughs> I'll give you props, Murph, yeah. I'm so uh, you raised me. Oh, gentlemen. I hey, I, I can't tell you how much this has been so much fun. We've got almost three hours. You might have to make this a two-parter tonight. Um, let's go to final <laughs> thoughts, final words. Let's start off with you, Aaron, the Q-Dog Raider. Yes, the hit list. We've got Brian Johnson, Kathleen Kennedy, and Jar Jar Binks, back to you. Kevin. <laughs> that was amazing. Can we also put the uh, the story group, too? That would be kind of the sequel or story. Or Ryan group. Johnson. He's. It? I'm sorry. Ryan Johnson heads my hit list, man. No doubt. His mama uh, named him Ryan. I'm going to call him Brian. Oh, man. God. Uh, how about Benicio Del Toro? Can you put him on the hit list, too? Uh, I don't know what his character was oh, in that. That was all about, man. And he's great, I man. Know, right? Great actor, terrible writing. Hey, man. Terrible writing. Uh, Kevin, final thoughts before we get out of here. Uh, first of all, uh, Q, great job uh, for bringing this up to it. And thank you, of course, for including me in this. Yes. I, I, this is a great idea. This is uh, uh, this has really been so much fun. It's also been very cathartic knowing what is going to be happening this weekend. <laughs> and I want to say thank you, Murph, for everything that you've done. Uh, this has been so much fun just uh, hanging at you, hanging out with you and uh, having a chance to actually be, be in the Murph's fan cave and being able to podcast with you and you come on our network and talking about, uh, you know, the Star Wars. Star Wars is my first love. Star Wars, and then it became Raiders, basically, you know, and and so being able to uh, celebrate these together on this show means a lot to me. So thank you very much, you two. Ab- absolutely, man. Feelings mutual, man. And thank you for all the, the hospitality you've extended my way uh, over the years and, and look forward to continuing that partnership. And, hey, don't forget about me on that Kevin Smith podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, we'll, you're, we'll start you're, that. you're the go-to. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, a Q-Dog Raider, man. Love hearing you on Raiders Fan Radio each and every week. But so much fun to get a chance to uh, talk to you uh, live. And thanks for hanging in there. Tell Grayson we appreciate her patience for uh for stealing <laughs> yeah. her dad for three hours and so uh man you guys have a great night uh go raiders f the chiefs f the buccaneers but always we're going to celebrate the galaxy far far away gentlemen thank you so much this has been an absolute blast tonight uh can't appreciate your friendship enough and conversation enough and and uh go raiders friends don't let friends root for the chiefs <laughs> Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.